Well, once again, like I said, I'm just happy to be back and just to be with you guys again. It's been, you know, two very long weeks, you know. My wife called me, my, my son Eli called me, you know, while, while I was still over there. And they say, Dad, you know, my son was saying, Dad, Dad, do you miss me? And I was like, you know what I miss the most? I miss my bed, you know. I really just miss my bed. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, we're, we're just sleeping, you know, we're sleeping in these small beds and, you know, in the, in the dorms and stuff. And it wasn't very comfortable. I, I almost fell off the bed a couple of times because I'm used to sleeping in a big bed. And so, uh, yeah, so uh, it, it, was, it was a great experience, though. It was a great experience to be around 22 different pastors. A lot of them are, you know, new pastors to the Methodist. They've, some of them came from other denominations, such as myself, and some of them are starting their second, you know, career, uh, um, you know, and, uh, as pastors and things. And so it, it was a great, great experience for myself. There was a lot of wisdom there. Um, we had, um, you know, three instructors that, um, you know, were teaching us about, you know, um, the UMC history and, um, you know, John Wesley and things like that. And so it was a great experience, a lot of things that uh, um, I learned from uh, the other pastors and from also from the other, um, from the instructors there. And so we were uh, fortunate enough on Sunday to go to, I believe it's called West, Westwood or something like that, yeah, Westwood Church there in L.A., and so we went there, and they had a beautiful, beautiful chapel, and uh, their pastor's Pastor John Woodall, and so we went to worship there last Sunday, and after that, uh, after that, I had, I went to Santa Monica Beach, and I just walked around for about four hours, because uh, I, I had to go pick up one of the other pastors from the airport, because he had to leave uh, our course to go uh, to his son's wedding in Chicago during that weekend, and so uh, I, I took him to the airport, and then on Sunday I had to go pick him back up and uh, bring him home. And so uh, it, it was a great, great experience. Met a lot of new friends, uh, met a lot of, you know, new pastors and things. But there's a lot of changes that's going on, especially in the Hmong, in the Hmong ministry here in California in the past one or two years. And being that we have a Hmong ministry here, I want us to think about them too and to pray for them. For 20 years, they've had Pastor Shine, Pastor Chakua, they've had um, Pastor Powell being with them here in California, the three pastors being with them here in California. Two pa uh, Pastor Powell has since retired, and he retired last year. Pastor Shine has been transferred out of California. Yes, he's been transferred out of California to Minnesota. And of course, Pastor Chakua has left the Orville Church. And so there's a lot of changes going on in the Hmong ministry, and I hope that we will continue to pray for them. But I believe that God has a plan for them. God has a plan for them, and God's plan is always to make them successful and to grow them. As we reflect upon this Bible verse here, as we reflect upon John chapter 20, verse 19 here, through verse 23 here, we see, we see that the disciples were also going through a change in their life because they were following Christ for so long and all of a sudden Christ was no longer there. And this time was the time in which Christ came to them and Christ revealed himself to them after his resurrection and assured them and comforted them along the way. It reminds me and it takes me back to my own story in which I needed to make my own changes in life so that God can use me for his own kingdom, so that God can use me for his glory. And for so long, as I've probably talked to you guys about it before, for so long I hated God. For so long, after my parents got divorced and my family was torn apart, 
I hated God for so long. I never, had, I never thought that I would go back to the church. I never thought that I would serve in the church ever again, even though I grew up in the church. But after my family was torn apart, I just blamed God for everything. But through, these, through the crisis in my own life, God used it to call me back to him, to call me back to him and to use me for his ministry. I was away from, from the church from about 90, I'll say about 96 or something, 95, 96, all the way till about 2002, 2003. The reason I came back into the church was because I got very, very ill in about 2003. I got very, very ill. I started having rash all over my body. I couldn't go to sleep. It was the worst pain that I've ever felt in my whole life. And I had those rashes on me for about, over a month. I went to the doctors. They said it's allergies. They gave me all kinds of shots, all kinds of allergic, you know, allergy pills. It wouldn't go away. I just couldn't sleep. I just couldn't sleep. But one night I had a dream. I had a dream. And in that dream I saw this bright bright light. And in that dream, I heard a voice just kept saying to me, Chang, why aren't you serving me? Why aren't you serving me? And I woke up crying and weeping. My wife was shocked. She didn't know what was going on. And at that time, I knew nothing about the scriptures. I knew nothing about the Bible. Like I said, at that time, I hated God. I doubted God every way that I possibly can. But I remember being back in Sunday school as a child. And the teacher would used to say, you know, if you don't know how to read the Bible, just go ahead and open up the scriptures and read the first Bible verse that you see. And so that's what I did. I went and I grabbed a Bible. And I opened up that Bible. And the first Bible verse that I saw was from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 2. I didn't understand exactly what that Bible verse meant. But it says, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, offer your lives as a living sacrifice unto God. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is only then that you can be able to test the will of God. And every time I, every time I read that Bible verse, I still get emotional because of my experience. I didn't understand exactly what that Bible verse means. It was a living sacrifice. What the heck is that? How am I supposed to be a living sacrifice? I had no, I had no understanding of what that meant. I called up my, my cousin, my oldest cousin, who was a pastor for the Church of Christ. I spoke with him. And he said, Chang, it's time for you to go back to church. It's time for you to go back to church. You've been away from, from the church for so long. It's time for you to go back to church. And he explained to me, and he talked to me about my story as a child, how, I was, how when I was born, I was supposed to die. But somehow, I made it. Because as a young child, when I was born, I was very, very sick. And I ended up in the hospital for almost a year. And I was supposed to die. Everybody thought I was going to die, but somehow I made it because the church came and prayed for me. And he talked to me about how my parents, for so long, after my older sister died, how my, my parents didn't have a child anymore. They couldn't have children anymore, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and finally, I was born three years after the death of my older sister. 
And so he explained all these things to me, and he told me it's time for you to go back to church. And as, as I went back to church, I saw my old church, the home church that I grew up in. And in that church, everything was dead. Everybody was fighting. They would have meetings, such as this congregational meetings, business meetings, and they would be calling cops, the police officers, to come to take, you know, because they needed the police officers there. Because no cops, if, if there was no officers there or anything like that, it would get out of hand. They couldn't stop it. And my church was that way. The home church that I grew up in was like that. When I was growing up, we had a vibrant, vibrant youth ministry. Being part of that youth ministry as I was growing up taught me a lot about music and things like that. But as I went back to my church about 2003, 2004, somewhere around there, the youth ministry was dead. There was no music. There was no worship. The youth were just running around the church all over the place. And at that time, at that time, they hated their pastor. They really hated their pastor. And about a year after I, was, I came back to the church, they kicked their pastor out. And so the Hmong district, the Hmong district decided that they're going to send the, the assistant district superintendent to become our pastor to see if he can settle everything down. So he came, he came to our church, and he became the pastor of our church. And when he came to our church, he said, Chang, I remember you when you were a youth. You used to come and play music for all of our CMA concerts. You used to come with your band, and you guys used to play and sing songs for our CMA concerts, so I remember you. So I want you to help me build up our youth group, to build up our church, to build up our worship. And that's how my ministry started again. That's how it started again. And we started building up the youth. We started building up the worship. And he had a lot of trouble, too, because as he was building it up, there, there's always people that wanted to see us failed. And so a lot of times, you know, a lot of times the church wouldn't pay him on time purposely just so that he would lose his house and so that he would go away. And it was a tough situation, but we did what we can. We did what God wanted us to do. And as we built up that church for the first time in the history of that church, after 30 years, there was no pastors coming out of that church. There were no leaders being raised out, up from that church. But finally, as he and I was working together to build up that church for about that four to five to six years, from about 2004 to 2010, we were able to send many young people to Bible college to become pastors and to become leaders for the church. And today we have about four people just from that group who are pastors and ministers in the CMA through the works that we, that we did together. And so as I look at my life and the things that, the things that were going on in my life and the, the call that God called me in my life, it brings me to this Bible verse here and it reminds me of this Bible verse here. As we're reading on this, it says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. As we look at the scripture here, we see one thing, that as, as God begins to call us, there was a crisis situation. 
There was a crisis situation here in this Bible verse here. Because like I said earlier, Christ, these people have been following Jesus Christ for three and a half years. I mean, they, they followed Christ for all the wrong reasons. They followed Christ for all the wrong reasons, but they were still following him. Because at that time, they were suffering from a lot of oppression from the Roman government. And so they were looking for this king. They were looking for this Messiah to, to free them from this political oppression. And so they were following Christ because that's what they wanted. They wanted to become leaders. They wanted to be free from this political oppression. So as they, were, so as they never expected Jesus Christ to be crucified. They never expected Jesus Christ to be killed. But yet here, after three and a half years, here, Christ was just crucified. Christ was just crucified. And they did not know exactly what the future was going to be for them. They were in a, a time of uncertainty. They weren't sure exactly what was going to happen. That's why the scripture teaches us here, where John was, just as John is saying here, that they, were, they locked themselves up in a room. And for the fear of the Jews. They didn't, they didn't know if the Jews, Jewish leaders were going to come after them or not. They didn't know if the Roman leaders, the political leaders were going to come after them or not. They had no idea. They were in a fearful, fearful situation. They were in a crisis situation. But yet in this crisis, in this situation, in this dramatic situ situation here, Jesus Christ came to them. You see, the purpose of the book of John, as John wrote, in John chapter 20, verse 31, John says that I am writing these things to you, and these are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may ha have life in his name. So the whole purpose of the book of John, in which John wrote the book, was to show us exactly who Jesus Christ is. And his point is that Jesus Christ is not like any other religious leaders. He's not like a, just, just another guy who found a religion. That's not Christ. But he's different from them. That he is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. He is the, the chosen one. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah that's going to save them. That's the whole point of what John is trying to make. And that's why John put this in there, showing us and giving us this evidence of what he saw, of what, he, what, what took place, so that we will understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And how does he show us that? He says that every, all the doors were locked. You see, no one can get, no regular person can get into that room. You and I, all the doors were locked. You and I, we would not be able to enter into that room. Everything was locked. Everything was locked. And yet, all of a sudden, here, Jesus just came and stood among them. That's John's way of telling us that this is no regular guy. This is not just another religious leader. This is the Son of God. Nothing can withhold him. Nothing can keep him outside of you. Nothing can separate you from Christ. And a lot of times when we go through changes, as we go through crisis situations, we may think to ourselves, God, are you, are you no longer there with us? But as we read the scriptures, as we st study this passage here, we see that Jesus, nothing will hold Jesus away from us. Nothing will separate him from us. That in our time of greatest needs, in our times of uncertainties,
in our times of crisis, Christ will come. And even though we, we do everything that we possibly can to prevent him from coming, he will still be there for us. He will still come and be there for us. He is our comforter. Verse 19. Verse 19 shows that he came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. He came and he comforted them. And not only did he comfort them, but he assured them of who he actually is. By showing, verse 20 teaches us that he showed them his hands and his side. So he assured them of who he was. That this is me. This is, this is the Messiah. I am the Messiah that you have been following for all these years. That in your times of fear, in your time of crisis, I am here. I am here with you. And we see, we see the whole environment in that room change. As the verse starts out, it says that, that the disciples were in fear. But as Christ revealed himself to them, and as Christ assured them of who they were, of who Christ was. It continues on and it says the disciples were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. You see, if we keep that faith in Christ, no matter what it is that we're going through, if we keep that, that faith in Christ, no matter what kind of situation we may be in, even as we're going through changes or we're going through some kind of crisis situation, that we will always find Christ and when we find Christ and when we know Christ, that fear that we have for our situation, that fear will always be turned to joy. We will always have joy in those types of situations. It will always bring us joy. We will see God working in every situation. You know, as I don't, it wasn't God who separated my parents, but God used that, that, that time in my life, that crisis situation in my life as a way to develop me so that he can use me. You see, so God turned something negative into something positive for me. Even though it was a tough, tough situation for me, tough, tough situation for my, for my, uh, my siblings. All my siblings are out of the church. Um, they're all part of the church because of that, you know. But um, I'm the only one left. And, and my brother, he comes once in a while. But I kept my, as I kept my faith in God, or as God kept me, that crisis situation in my own life was turned into something positive. And that's all the workings of God. And that's what God can do in our own lives, no matter what we're going through. No matter what we're going through, as long as we keep ourselves with Christ. And we, we pray and we say, Christ, hold us. Even if I don't have the strength to hold on to you, even if I don't have the strength to follow you, why don't you hold on to me? Why don't you hold on to me? And Christ, he will. God will hold on to us, even when we can't hold on to him anymore. He will hold on to us. And our fear will always turn into joy. As we go through that situation, as we look back, we see that that was a time something good came out of that. Something good came out of that. We're not saying that that was a good situation. It wasn't a good situation, no. But something good came out of it. And that's what we, that's what we have to do. That's what we need to do. 
The scripture goes on and says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. He breathed on them. You see, once again, we see that the one who commissions us, the one who sends us, is not another, just not another person. Like I, I shared a story with you guys before I went to visit one of some of the old members of our church, the Hmong old members of our church who've left our church, and I talked to them, and they said, my God is General Vang Pao. But this is what the scripture is teaching us, that this Jesus is not like another person, not like General Vang Pao, but he's, he's much more than that. He's much more than that. The one that sends you, the one that sends you, the one that calls you, is so much more than that. So much more than that. We're not, we're not being sent out. We're not being called by just another normal guy. But we're being called, we're being sent out by the Son of God himself. And we can have faith and we, have, we can have confidence in the things that we do because we've been sent out and we have been called by the Son of God. We've been commissioned by him to do his work. It goes on and says, Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. You see, as we keep that faith in Christ, as we continue to follow him, even through our, our hard times, we receive the Holy Spirit. We are given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers us for the ministry. You know, many people who see me today, they'll say, Chang, we, when you were young, we, we, never, we never would think that you would have the, the courage to stand in front of people and talk like how you do now. They would say that. Public speaking was not something that I, I really enjoyed when I was younger. I hated it. I hated it when I was in school. When you have to go on top, you know, go in front of the class and just do a report, and all you had to do was read your report, I was so uncomfortable with that. I hated that. It's only through the transformation and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that I was able to do that. And as we study Pentecost and as we look into Acts chapter 2, we see that the, that the disciples were very much the same way. They were afraid. But yet when they received the Holy Spirit, when they received the Holy Spirit, they were able to stand up in front of the crowd and just proclaim the message of God. Just proclaim the message of God. And 3,000, the scriptures tells us that on that day, 3,000 people came to Christ. 3,000 people. I believe, I believe totally that God has called this church, our church here, to be in a very, very special position. We are only the second church here in our conference to have a Hmong pastor work with both the Anglos and the Hmong congregation. We're only the second church. The first church was Trinity United Methodist, which was led by Pastor Shine. We're only the second church. But we, so we have an opportunity here because other Hmong ministry, other Hmong churches, as they are working within their, their congregation, within their church, they're not able to, it's very, very difficult to bring both congregations together for whatever reason. It's very difficult. But we have an opportunity here in our church to be that role model for the rest of the churches that has a Hmong ministry. That we can unite 
as a congregation. We can't come together as a church. We can't truly, truly be one church. And we can be that example for them so that they can follow that too. So that they can look to us and they can say, that church did it. So can we. We can become an inspiration to all these other monk churches that are having trouble uniting themselves with the Anglo congregation. But we have an opportunity here to really show that. Here in our church, it's no longer going to be them or they, but it's going to be about us as one family. That's one family. And we are going to do everything together. And that's why, that's why, that's why I asked them that, you know, let's have a combined service. Since we're going to, work, since we're going to welcome Pastor Bob and myself, let's do it together. Because they were planning to do it today. They were planning to do it by themselves today. They talked with Pastor Chico, and Pastor Chico says, it's fine for you guys to do it today. So they call me up and they say, we're going to do it today. But I said, you know, we're one church. Let's do it together. Let's follow the lead of the SPRC. Because the SPRC is not Anglo. It's not Hmong. It's everybody. Everybody's in there. So let's follow their lead. So if they set it up on the 16th, let's all do it together on the 16th. And they agreed. They agreed. So that's why we're going to have a combined service next week. And we're going to do it together. And I said, you know, you guys need to welcome Pastor Bob also. Don't think that since Pastor Bob is not Hmong, then you're not going to welcome him. But it doesn't matter. He's here. He's our pastor. He's the pastor for the whole church. You know, he's, he, he'll be preaching twice a, a month for the, for the Anglo congregation, but he's everybody's pastor too. So we have to welcome him too. And they agreed to that. And so next week we're going to have a combined service, and they're going to they're bring their food, and we're going to bring our food, and we're going to have that potluck together. I believe God has a special position for this church. God has something great in mind for this church. And we are going to be an inspiration for the rest of the churches here in California. Let us pray together. Our Father, we thank you so much, Father. As we, a church and the Hmong ministry, as we are going through, through changes, Father, a lot of times makes us uncertain of our future, make us unsure of what your plan is for us, Father. But let us continue to put our faith in you and let us continue to trust you and follow you. And even when we don't understand, Father, let us just follow you and trust in you. Father, I lift up our whole church to you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.